Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Open your Bible to Acts. Um, I'm going to try and not preach too long, but I want to share something. Um, There's a thought that God laid on my heart, and and uh, hopefully the Holy Spirit is going to help me to communicate it in a way that resembles a sermon. Um, that's how it normally goes up here. Um, Acts chapter 1 and verse 4, being assembled together with them, he, speaking of Jesus, commanded them. That's a strong, forceful word that commanded them. Um, not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Jesus is saying to them, boys, listen. He said, something powerful is about to happen, I promise. And he said, if you'll wait and if you will stay here, something is going to happen. This is Jesus speaking. This is what he's saying to the disciples. He said, which you've heard me speak of, verse 5, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons which your father has put in his own authority, but you, say you, shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Touch someone, say you're powerful. Touch someone else because that person was awkward, awkward about you touching them. Touch someone else and say you're powerful. <laughs> do you ever do that in church where they say touch someone and you forget that you don't know the person beside you and you're like you're Pat Wall sorry bro <laughs> um, <you're> <laughs> when the Holy Spirit when am I going to become powerful when the Holy Spirit that without the Holy Spirit I'm not powerful <laughs> without the touch of God upon my life I cannot do anything Without the Lord moving in my heart and doing something in and through me, I cannot do it in my own strength. It's only going to happen. I'm only going to become powerful on the other side of receiving the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him. I'm sorry, uh, rereading. You'll ask him, will you restore his kingdom of God? No. It's not for you to know times or season. You shall see power and the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be. Witness to men in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is such a well-known passage of Scripture that is um, we've read so many times before, but I want to just share something from it this morning that I think is so important for our lives. It's important, firstly, for us to look at this from the context of these disciples. I want you to see it um, from their perspective this morning. They had no idea what was about to happen. We sometimes look at this story and and we forget that they're coming into it not knowing what they're about to receive. Jesus said to them, I'm going to pour out my Holy Spirit. They they didn't have an idea of what that, that looked like or what that meant. They didn't have an idea of what this sort of power... Um, was going to mean when it came upon them. And we know this because in verse 6, understand prior to verse 6, Jesus is speaking on a level that is supernatural. 
When Jesus is talking, he's not talking about natural things. This is not the Holy Spirit is not just a natural thing. It's not about the warm fuzzies or crying in a service or getting goosebumps. These are all natural manifestations of a supernatural thing that happens within us. How it manifests itself doesn't really matter. We get so caught up on the manifestation. We think someone's more powerful if they cry or more powerful if they scream or more powerful if they jump from the roof and swing from the rafters. But what happens is too often we exalt the manifestation and forget that that's just the manifestation. Real power is shown when we walk out the doors on a Sunday. Real power is shown. I don't want to see someone just crying their eyes in church. Show me transformation. Show me what it's like when you transform your workplace, transform your colleagues and love people that are unlovable. We forget that the Bible says that the fruits, when it talks about the fruits of the Spirit, the very first fruit of the Spirit is not screaming in church. When we say the Spirit's moving, ah, we run around the building and I'm not wearing down. I think that's amazing. If you want to run, do what you want to do. I couldn't care less. But what I'm saying is we cannot exalt the manifestation more than we honour the move of Spirit itself. The very first fruit of the Spirit is actually love. See, we hear that and we think, oh, wow, that's nice. Let's get back to Spirit things. No, no, no. The very first fruit of the Spirit is love. That's the Bible saying, Galatians saying that when you, I will know when you've encountered the Holy Spirit, when you walk out of here loving people like you've never loved people before, I will know when the Holy Spirit is in you because the fruit the Holy Spirit will produce is when you love that person that you would normally hate and despise and not want to be around, the Spirit will take over and you'll love them like they've never been loved before. That's when you know someone's encountered Jesus. Christ. And he says, Jesus says to them, I'm going to pour out upon you. He said, you've heard me talk about this. In verse five, he says, for John truly baptized with water. He was trying to set them up to be able to possibly receive something that they had never heard of. So he was trying to package it in a way that maybe they would get because they understood what being baptized in water meant. So he starts off by saying that. He says, I'm going to baptise you. Remember how John baptised in water? And they're like, they get that because they saw that, they understood that. So he's using that as a benchmark, if you like, or as a platform to then invite them to a deeper place. He's using something that they understood naturally first and saying, remember how John baptised in water? And they're like, yeah, we get that. We remember that. Jesus then goes on to say, okay, it's going to be like that, but I'm not going to baptise you in water. You're not about to be baptised in water. You're about to be baptised in the Holy Spirit. So what this was Jesus actually trying to do was Jesus was trying to shift them from what they naturally knew to what they could supernaturally possibly encounter if they would believe. He's saying, listen, I want to shift you from a normal level of thinking to an abnormal level of thinking. 
He's saying, I want to shift you from a natural way of living to a supernatural way of living. I want to shift you from what you're used to knowing because you're not going to be able to you what you're used to experiencing to something that you've never experienced before in your life. I want to shift you from something that you understand to something that you cannot possibly understand in your entire being. That's what I want to do. So Jesus is trying to take them on, on this journey. But the thing about these disciples is they still don't get it because they come back. He says to them, remember how John, they're like, yeah, we get John. We get that. He says, I'm going to baptise you. Not like that, but with the Holy Spirit. Then they say this stupid thing. They say, therefore, um, Lord, is this going to be when you're going to restore the kingdom? And that's where Jesus, I don't think he did this, but if I was Jesus, which thank God I'm not. But if I was Jesus, I'd be like, oh, you idiots. (laughs) Jesus has just spent. This time saying, listen, remember how was John? It's not going to be like John, but similar. I'm going to baptise you in the Holy Spirit. And then they're like, "Uh, Jesus, does that mean you're going to like restore the kingdom? And he's like, oh, you morons. No. So much so that he says, you know what? Forget it. Don't even think about the time or when or how I'm going to do any of that stuff. Because you have to understand these disciples were completely obsessed about where, uh, uh, obsessed on when Jesus was going to restore the natural kingdom, free them from Roman oppression and come and rule. I'm trying to help you see the perspective of where the disciples are because this is a perspective I believe so many of us as Christians can get caught in, in natural thinking, natural circumstances. And as long as your mind is in a natural place, you can never receive a supernatural encounter. Too often we miss the supernatural outpouring that God wants to do in our life because we're so busy trying to package it into a natural box. It doesn't fit in a natural box. He is the box breaker. And what you need to do is break the box of your natural thinking and remind yourself that this thing that we're in called Christianity is not natural. It's not normal. It doesn't fit into society the way society works. It's outside the box. He's above and beyond. He's not limited by time. He's not limited by space. He's not limited by your circumstances. He desperately wants to do something in your life that is not natural. I came this morning to just simply tell you this real simple thing and you can say it to the neighbour beside you. This is my sermon title. You're not normal. Look at your spouse and say it like you know it's true. Say you're not normal. Why do I say that? Why have I called it that? Because I think what we do is we take this message of a supernatural God and we try and understand how a supernatural God could possibly work in a normal person. You don't have to worry about that because you're not a normal person. Because God does not create anything that is normal. He is the creator. You were birthed by the dust of the ground. You are not normal. The destiny upon your life is not normal. Your marriage is not normal. Your family is not normal. The job you have is not normal. You are a supernatural being created for supernatural things. Why don't you praise Him for about 10 seconds? If you receive that there's something on your life that's greater than who you are. Too often we miss it. We miss what God is desperately trying to pour out in our life simply because it doesn't make sense. 
God, how are you going to do that? How are you going to how are you going to bless me that much when these are my giftings and abilities? How are you going to touch my family and restore my family when these are the issues that we have and have not just have now, but have had for years and years and years? How are you going to restore this situation that's happening in my workplace when we've never known it? This is all we have ever known. How are you going to work it out? Quit trying to take the supernatural thing that you need Him to do and try and fit it into a natural box. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. I've got a son, his name's Luca, Luca James. He's going to be two in November. And, uh, and he's a funny kid because um, his attention span is about, about seven or eight seconds on a good day. But something that, I've, that I worked out with Luca is I can go up to Luca. It doesn't matter what he is doing. He can be doing anything. And I can go up to Luca and I can, this is exactly how I I can do it. I'll go up to Luca and I'll go, Luca, guess what? And this kid, doesn't matter what he's doing, he will literally stand up, look at me like this. (sighs) Do you know what's happened? Nothing at all. And I'll say to him, guess what? And then I'll go like this. I'll go, wow. And you know what he'll do? He'll look at me and go, and I'll say, Luca, come with dad. And I'll put out my hand. Guess what? He'll grab my hand and his eyes are like this. And he's like, do you know what I don't do? I don't go down to Luca and say, hey, Luca, listen, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take you outside and we're going to go down to the playground that's down the road because the council got together and they put together a playground. It's different to the one we went to the other day because I know the one we went to the other day was for bigger kids and you couldn't go on it because it was for bigger kids. But what we're going to do is this one's for smaller kids. And remember how you burnt yourself on the play equipment because it was too hot the other day? That's not going to happen this time because it's going to be for a lot smaller kids. So you're going to be able to go and play on it by yourself, which is going to be awesome for me because I can just chill for a minute and I don't have to walk with you. And you can play and you're not going to get hurt. I'm not going to have that conversation. Why? Because he doesn't, he's not even going to understand it. Isn't it funny that the Bible says that we need to have a childlike faith? Maybe, maybe God is trying to come up to you on a Sunday morning and just go to you, wow. And do you know what He needs you to do? is not trying to ask Him for an explanation because you wouldn't be able to understand it even if He gave it to you anyway. How about you just grab His hand, look at Him back with eyes wide open and just say, wow, let's go and do this thing. Wow, I trust you. Wow, I know you got great things for me. We're missing what God wants to do in our life because we're too busy trying to understand it. Say, so what about this? What about, what about that? Just trust Him. Trust Him. Trust His way. Trust His purpose. I could walk Luca into anything and he would go with me. Because he's just holding my hand. He knows what I'm telling him. He trusts me and he can sense that something great is about to happen. Could it be that you're missing out on what God has for you? Because you're too busy saying, well, I'm just not sure how that's going to work out. 
how different if that's the, as a parallel. How much smaller is our thinking than God's? What you're trying to fit an all-knowing, all-powerful God who spoke the world into existence in your mind and your thinking? I thank God that I cannot understand Him because if I could understand Him, that would make Him the same size as my brain. And I wanna take a moment and praise Him that He's not the same size as my brain. He's bigger than that. He's greater than that. He's got something so much more powerful for you if you would just believe. You're not normal. The plans He has for you are not normal. What He wants to do in your life is not normal. Another scenario where this has happened, where we see this happen in Scripture is in the story of the woman at the well, John 4 and verse 10. And John meets this, uh, John, uh, John writes about Jesus meeting this woman at the well. Jesus is at the well and He's standing there and a woman comes and Jesus begins a conversation with her. And it's interesting, if you read the conversation and look at it in detail, you can see throughout the conversation the whole time Jesus is trying to lift her up from where she is to a different way of thinking. And they begin to talk and Jesus starts to engage her and starts to talk about water because she understands water. She's at the well. Jesus starts speaking on her level, not to remain on that level, but to connect with her on that level and take her to another level. So he says, let's talk about water. So we start talking about water. And they have this interesting conversation. And Jesus at one point says to her and answered and said to her, if you knew John 4 and verse 10, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that said this to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said, so you have nothing to draw with. See, again, she's going back to the natural level, the normal level. Level. He's trying to talk to her on an abnormal level. But it's interesting what he says to her. He says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says this to you. It's Jesus saying to her, if you had any idea who it was that was standing in front of you, you wouldn't be talking to me about water, natural water. If you had, I'm paraphrasing, but essentially he's saying, if you had any idea the possibilities that were in front of you, if you had any idea the things that I could do for you, you would raise the bar. You would ask me for more. You would believe for greater. It's interesting that, especially off the back of my recent that analogy, but that word no, it means to gaze with eyes wide open. I wish that we would come, myself included, I wish that we would come to God more often in that attitude with eyes wide open saying, wow, God, what have you got for me? Wow, God, where do you want to take me? Recognizing that it's not a natural thing that he's trying to do. We need to stop trying putting him, trying to put him in this natural box. You're not a natural person. You're not called to do natural things. You were created by God with a plan and with a purpose for your life that is supernatural. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 9, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has for those who love Him. You're not natural. The purpose that's upon your life is not natural. That's why you're going through what you're going through in your business right now. 
All this time you thought it was just a job. It's not just a job because you're not natural. And the moment you got your hands on it, it shifted. And that thing that just became a job all of a sudden became a carrier of the presence of God. That's why you're facing the attacks that you're facing simply because you're not normal. That's why your kids are under the attack that they're under. Because they're not just anybody's kids, they're your kids. And the moment they came through your body, they carried the touch of God. They carried a purpose. They carried a destiny upon them. All this time, you've been trying to worry why the enemy's coming after your family. Because your family is not natural. It is not normal what's upon your life. The destiny that God has for you. All this time, you were trying to work out why marriage is so hard. Why is it so difficult to get along? Why is it so difficult to walk through these challenges? Because your marriage is not normal. It's got a touch of God upon it. It's got a supernatural purpose upon it. And anything that carries that type of anointing is a threat to hell. And you better know the enemy's coming after it. But that's okay because your Word tells you that no weapon formed against you will prosper. The same supernatural God that gave it to you is the same supernatural God that's going to deliver you out of the challenges that you're facing. You are not normal. Touch someone, say you're not normal. You're not normal. It's an abnormal life that God has for you. I want you to write these things down real quickly for abnormals that you need to live an abnormal life. The first abnormal is you need some abnormal people around you. Look at someone like you know they're crazy. Some abnormal people. In Mark 2 and verse 1, there's an amazing story of a paralytic that gets brought before Jesus, but he doesn't come to Jesus by himself. No, no, this dude's got some abnormal dudes around him. The story goes like this. He's a paralytic. He cannot walk. But he has four men that are abnormal. Four men that are not your normal run of the grain. Four men that are not your regular type of dudes. We know this because these four men, it's not enough for them to just see their friend laying there beside the road. They pick up their, their friend and they put him in a stretcher and they walk the stretcher to the house. Even that in itself, those are the type of dudes that you want around you. Dudes that will say, you know what? I know you're feeling down and out right now, but you need to get up. In fact, don't even get up. We will pick you up, put you on this stretcher and walk you to the house. Further to that, they get to the house and the house is full. Any normal person would say, bro, we did our best. High five. We love you. Didn't work out today. Good of us to try, wasn't it? Let's go have a Starbucks. Not these dudes. They looked and saw that the house was full. And so they started to think to themselves, maybe there's another way we can get in this house. I don't know which one of them came up with the idea to climb up on the stinking roof and start ripping tiles off the roof. But I dare say that is not a normal train of thought to have in a service when service is full. You would typically think we will just come back next week, but not an abnormal person. An abnormal person will say, come hell or high water, you're going to get your breakthrough if I got to climb up on this roof and rip off the tiles and lower you. Won't you praise God right now if you've got some abnormal people in your life that will say, you're not staying where you are because you've got to get to what God has for you. Get up with me and I'm going to rip the roof off this place. They rip the roof off and they start to lower him down. What I love is they, we don't read about a conversation with this paralytic, whether he wants them to lower them down the roof or not. This poor dude didn't have a choice. The fact that I think that he's a paralytic, his buddies thought we're going to make the most of this. He doesn't have a choice. Let's just start lowering him down. Can you imagine how awkward that is for this poor guy being lowered down the roof? 
His buddies are on the other side. They don't have to face the crowd. They're just up there laughing like, can you believe we did this? I can't believe this. They start lowering this dude down. He's laying on the mat. He's like, hey, what's up? It's like, he's like, hey, just wanted a healing. Abnormal. I need some people around my life that'll pick me up and bring me to Jesus when I do not want to go. I need some people around my life that will say, I know you don't feel like going to church, but I'm about to pull up at your house right now and you better get your teeth brushed and get in this car because that's all you need to do before you come to church. Wear what you want, but just brush your teeth. You need some people that will say, get in this car and get to service. Get to small group, get in your word, get in your prayer closet, get some worship on. I don't need some jokers standing around me that are gonna tell me how bad things are in my life. I need someone that will give me a slap and say, get up, it's time to get your breakthrough. I need some abnormal, bat crazy, spirit-filled, crazy Christians that'll grab me and get me to where I need to be. You need abnormal people. You need abnormal people around your world. The story of David, you know the story of David. David, he's a king. He's a king. He's a fighter. He's a, he's a warrior. He's a leader. We know the story in Scripture. It talks about where David fell. David is up on the roof of his house and he's looking out across his roof and he sees Bathsheba and he thinks she's all right. And he sees her having a bath and he lusts after her and he gets her to come over to his place and they hook up. It says it different in the Bible, but (laughs) you get my drift. But the, the interesting thing about this story this is what I asked myself. Where were David's buddies? When the king, if you study it, the king, you'll know that at that time they were off fighting. So shouldn't the king have been fighting? Where were his buddies when the king said, you guys go ahead, go do your thing. I know I'm the king, but I'm just going to chill and do what normal people would do. Normal people were chilling in the town at that point. Normal people were just hanging around the town folk. David, who was the king, who was a warrior, who was a leader, who was a fighter, said to his men, you go on, you guys go go on ahead and do all that stuff. I'm just going to chill with the normal people today. Where were his buddies at that point? See, if he had had some abnormal friends around him, they would have picked up, something's not right about this. You're the king. You shouldn't be where normal people are. Something's not right about this whole scenario, David. You need to be with us. You need to not be just hanging out with everybody else. See, if you get some abnormal people in your life, it'll protect you from a normal lifestyle. And that's where we got to be careful because a normal lifestyle, especially where society is headed right now, normal, what was normal yesterday has shifted. The thing is, when you allow the world to set your standard of normal, normal changes every single day. That's why we're called to not live by the world's normal and by the world's standard. We're called to live by God's normal, which is a supernatural standard, which is a rock that we stand on. It's a light unto our path. It guides us, it directs us and nothing else can shake us. 
We have this modern day church that now we're allowing the world to set our standard of what's normal. Let me tell you what is not normal according to the Word of God. Divorce is not normal. I know it's creeping into the church as being a normal thing, that that's how you check out of a marriage when it just gets too hard and you both have issues. Welcome to the club. We've all got issues. Work them out, pray through it and stay together. That's the normal for the Kingdom of God. That's the normal that's set up. Don't allow the world to set your standard of normal, recognise that there's a supernatural call on your life and a supernatural call on your marriage. A supernatural call on that marriage. So it's going to attract some attacks. Journey it through. We have things, small groups. We have couples in covenant, opportunities where people can strengthen their marriage and walk through situations. But I want you to pull back, not allow the enemy to, to, to cause the world standards to be set in your life. world doesn't set our normal. What was normal a year ago is not normal now. It changes every single day. That's where the Word of God is so important. Normal people you need. Keith can come. I'm going to wrap this up in five minutes, four minutes, 59 seconds. You need uh, abnormal people. You need to embrace an abnormal process. Jesus didn't do things the way we did things. You ever think sometimes, if I was God, I would do it different? Six of you, I think that sometimes. I think to myself, man, if I was God, I would just do this. He, he doesn't do things the same way we do things. If you've read any of the Bible, you would know that, that Jesus continually was changing the process. In one minute, he would lay hands on somebody and pray for healing. The next minute, he would not lay hands on them. He would just speak. Remember we talked last week about he spoke. He spoke a word and they were healed off a word. One dude, Jesus spits in the mud, picks up the mud. Let's not read that like that's normal, bro. Like, I mean, please. Can you imagine if you are the next guy about to be prayed for in line? My God, that, I mean, that's where you're about to back up off a prayer line and be like, whoa, hey, listen. <laughs> Can you imagine if the next guy was blind? And he's standing there and he can hear Jesus coming. He's like, he comes on a breakthrough. I'm going to get healed. And then you just hear. <laughs> Bro, like, are you for real? If you were ever going to fake a healing, that would be then. I'd be like, hey, I'm healed. Wow, I can see. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> what, that dude spitting on me? I'd be like, come on, man. Spitting on the ground, like. Why do that? Think about it. Do you, think, do you think Jesus just does this? He's God. He's got purpose for everything. Why, do, why pick such a random means of bringing somebody's breakthrough? Maybe the reason why he continually changed the process always was because he didn't want us putting our faith in the process he wanted us putting our faith in the person so that we could come to Jesus and say, listen, speak a word, lay hands, spit on me. Either way, I know that my healing's coming from you. It doesn't matter how it gets to me. I know it's coming from you. We miss out so often on what He has for us because we checked out during the process because it didn't happen the way we wanted. 
We're praying for a promotion, but we got a demotion. We're like, God, give me a promotion this week. You get demoted or you lose your job. Then we're all about, well, where was God during that? Why didn't this happen? Maybe, maybe even though you had all of the talent for the promotion, maybe you didn't have the character. And God knows. And maybe He knows that the best thing to deal with your character is to pull you down before He pulls you up. And maybe if you didn't check out of the demotion process and allow God to work on your character that would actually keep you in the position that your talent would put you in. Maybe God, if you had stayed in that process, He would have raised you up higher and above than you could possibly ask or imagine. But you checked out of the process. Maybe you're going to get broke before you get blessed. Maybe you're going to have a breakdown before you have a breakthrough. Is, is trusting in Him and His hand. Joseph didn't go. Joseph got favour on his life, got like a cool jacket. Whole thing was going good. Brothers hated him, but you can get over that real quick when you become the king. You just like kill him or something. Like, bro, it was going to be good. But then Joseph's whole, what was the process? The, the, the palace was a destination. The process was a pit and a prison. Before the palace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had incredible favor. How did they get to favor? They didn't get favor without the fire of the furnace. It's understanding to live that abnormal life is the process. It's an abnormal process. Often, an abnormal means and abnormal means will bring an abnormal breakthrough. How many of you are believing for an abnormal breakthrough? Come on, how many of you are believing for God to do something in your life that's not normal? I don't know about you, but I've got some things that I need God to do. I've got some things that I need God to do that I cannot do on my own. They're not normal things. They're not natural things. They're supernatural things. You need abnormal people. You need to embrace an abnormal process. You're going to need an abnormal prayer life. One of the things about prayer is um, you can't pretty up prayer. That's what I've learned. I've, I've preached so many different sermons on prayer, trying to like make it like as cool and package it. There's actually nothing glamorous about prayer. There's not. That's why prayer meetings are often the smallest meetings we do in church. Because we, we hear about prayer and we think, oh, don't we? We think, oh, gosh, like really? Pray? Isn't it interesting that one of the most powerful things in the kingdom that's prayer is the thing that the devil has attacked the most? Because he can afford for people to come to church. Listen, I, I hate to break it to you, but coming to church, on a, which I think is awesome. Keep coming. I love it. It's amazing what God's doing. But attending church every Sunday doesn't rattle the devil that much. It's not that much. Because he knows he's got Monday to Saturday to get you. He's like, bro, go do what you want on Sunday. Let's see you tomorrow. I'll be right here. That's what he says. But when you make that decision to say, you know what? I'm going to start to pray. I'm not going to wait for a leader, a pastor. I can get all of that. And, and, and that's great when all of those get around me. But you know what? I'm going to develop my own Listen to my language, prayer life. Prayer is not an action, it's a lifestyle. The Bible says pray without 
seasick. Things will shift in your life in an abnormal way when you make a decision that you're going to start to be a praying person. When you make a decision to say, you know what, I'm not just going to do what everybody else is doing, what all of the other Christians are doing. They can do their thing. God bless them. He's doing a work in them. But God has called me to be somebody who prays. The Bible talks about a woman named Hannah. In 1 Samuel 1 verse 9 to 11, it talks about what happened with Hannah, that Hannah needed a breakthrough and everybody else was sitting around eating food and, and celebrating in the festivities and doing what they would do. But the Bible says that Hannah got up from where she was, left everybody else and went and began to pray. She left everyone else that was doing normal things. Listen, they were not doing bad things. They were just chilling, doing what was normal. But this girl made a decision. You know what? The breakthrough I'm praying for is not normal. It's abnormal. So I'm going to draw down from an abnormal God through an abnormal prayer life and believe that God can come and visit me and do something supernatural. I don't know what you need, but I know He's going to do it through prayer. I don't know what you're believing for, but I know that when you start to pray. Things will happen in your life. Believe it when you pray. If you don't believe it, read the Word until you do. If you don't believe that Scripture, read it again, read it again, read it again. Hearing it comes by faith. Remember the Scripture tells us that. So the more I read the Word, the more faith I feel. And the more faith I feel, then I can start to pray what I believe. And when you believe what you pray, something will happen. We don't believe it. You can only receive what you believe. You believe it. You pray it. God's faithful and God will do it. Lastly, abnormal people, abnormal process, abnormal prayer life. And it's an abnormal power. Abnormal power. If ever I think there's a criticism of us, modern day Western church is we don't see enough of the abnormal supernatural power of God we don't because we're not hungry enough for it we're so blessed and I know people here are going through challenges and facing things but the reality is compared to the rest of the world every single person in this room is blessed isn't it interesting that the world, in every nation where there is a high level of persecution, and I don't mean persecution like your friends teasing you at school. I know it hurts, but let's be real. That where you're talking about a high level of persecution, where they're marching into churches, home churches, cutting heads off of Christians out the front and burning people alive. I'm not trying to be like, but this is the reality of our world. Isn't it interesting that every nation that experienced a high level of persecution is also the same nation that sees a higher level of miracles. I don't mean like, you know, like you got a check in the mail or like you had a headache this morning and you don't at the end of the day. Like, I mean like where someone's dead and they get raised back to life. I know we don't talk about it because we get like awkward and we're like, we think like, I oh mean, let's not get weird. Well, I mean, we serve a weird God, so let's get weird. We either believe like... We believe that He can do it 
or we, I'm pretty like black and white. It's, it's either all in or all out. It's, it's, I don't have like, I don't understand like a midway type deal. He can either do it or he cannot. So I'm either going to believe that whole word front to back or I'm not going to believe it at all. I'm not here to play church. Life is too short. And I believe in a supernatural power of God that can heal physical bodies, that can turn your life around in a second, that can touch depressed mind, that can free people from change. And I think it's time for us as the church to get some faith and start to believe and start to hunger for it. We have a community and a society that is desperate to see the supernatural. But we're the ones that He has put to demonstrate it. Come on, church. Can we start to believe He has not called us for the natural. I am called for the supernatural. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.